You're listening to St. Pius X Catholic Church in Lafayette, Louisiana. Thank you for joining us. Just as a little announcement beforehand, I know that Deacon Sammy uh, said something about our youth ministry here at St. Pius, something that is completely funded by the parish. Uh, one, I, I don't know another youth ministry where it's completely free for the youth. And, and so if you can, uh, please donate so that our youth may be formed uh, in Christ here at St. Pius. Also, I know in the bulletin they have a little snippet, uh, our VBS, Vacation Bible School, will be starting up, and we have a pot uh, scheduled for the kids. Actually, we, I don't know if we can fit any more kids, but on the other side, the flip side of that, we need adult volunteers. Uh, I think in the bulletin it says we have 100, 150 kids signed up. We need adult chaperones to help uh, us do this. And so if you can, please pray about it. Uh, I know that most of you, maybe even all of you, know that we have a preaching series going on at St. Pius during our Easter season. Uh, seven Sundays of Easter, seven sacraments called mystagogy by the early church. This is where the early church would bring in Christians at the Easter vigil and spend the next 50 days explaining the sacraments, these channels of divine grace. Both me and Father Brady have been opening up the sacraments, explaining where they're at in scripture and how we practice them today. If you missed one, they're all recorded. You could go on our website and listen to our previous homilies. We also have a podcast here at St. Pius, Beyond the Homily, which goes a little bit more in depth for those that want more. For my preaching series, I've been kind of saying something very general about the sacraments and then going into the sacrament of the day. For instance, I've gone into why we even have sacraments. Why are there seven sacraments? Why can some sacraments be repeated and other ones not? Today, I want to begin by going into a distinction, a very important one for the sacraments. I'll say the technical term first. The distinction I'm going to go into Ex opere operanto versus ex opere operantis. For the first one, ex opere operanto, meaning by the work being worked. In our sacraments, whenever the minister pours water over the head of a newly baptized person and says the words, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit comes down and breathes divine life into that soul, and that, that soul is claimed for Christ, a child of God. When the priest says the words of absolution after the repentant heart states their sin, God himself through the minister of the priest forgives their sins to never be remembered, cast at the bottom of the ocean. By the Alpha and Omega who knows all things, forgets their sins. When the Eucharist is being conferred by, this, by the priest, the Holy Spirit comes down and changes bread and wine into the true body and blood of Christ. This is the fact of the sacraments. They happen 
It does not rely on the personal holiness of the priest. Ex opere operanto, by the very work being worked. God allows this to happen, that the sacraments happen through a fallen human being because God loves his people. Even the priest, who is a fallen human being, God forbid, could even be in mortal sin. God still works the sacraments through him, not because of the personal holiness of the individual, but because God loves his people. That God is willing to use broken instruments to fix a broken situation. God loves his people. And by this ex opere operato, the sacraments work. But so much depends on the holiness of the priest. Ex opere operantis. Out of the one working the work. When a holy man baptizes, when a holy man forgives sins, when a holy priest offers mass, it's different. The people recognize this. The census fidelium, the sense of the faithful. The people know and they flock to that. A good confessor, people can't even get in confession with them because the line is so long. When a holy priest offers mass, the mass is packed. When St. Padre Pio would offer masses, daily mass would be over three hours long. And yet thousands of people would go to his daily mass. You couldn't get there. When St. John Vianney would hear confessions for 18 hours, he couldn't get out of the confession. People can tell when a priest believes what he celebrates. We need good, holy men to discern a vocation to the priesthood, to follow in the footsteps of the master. Yes, sacraments are still conferred even by a broken person, but so much depends on the holiness of the person. That's why St. Augustine, one of the greatest minds to ever live in the year 300, said, when the apostle Peter baptizes, Jesus is the one who baptizes in him. But when Judas, the traitor, baptizes, Jesus is still the one who baptizes in him. God loves his people enough to give them the sacraments, even by a fallen man. But so much still depends on the holiness of the priest. With this sacrament series today, I want to go into anointing of the sick. Anointing of the sick or extreme unction is first found in the letter of St. James in the New Testament. It says, is anyone sick among you? Let them send for the priest of the church and let the priest pray over them, anointing them with the oil in the name of the Lord. The prayer of faith will save the sick persons and the Lord will raise them up. If they have committed any sins, their sins will be forgiven them. Christ himself instituted the sacrament of anointing of the sick when in the gospel of St. Mark, he tells the 12 apostles, the 12 disciples, 
that they drove out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and cured them. The New Testament shows Christ's compassion toward the sick, highlighting the work of Christ the physician. That's why Christ commands the twelve to cure the sick, to anoint with oil. What about anointing of the sick for today? Who can receive the sacrament? Anyone of the faithful who begins to be in danger of death from sickness or old age. That's who can receive this sacrament. This sacrament is not just for those who are reserved on their deathbed. Often people will call the priest in the very moments of death. And while me and Father Brady will drop everything, sometimes the drive is too long. And we get there after the fact. It's not just for when someone's about to breathe their last. This sacrament can be received more than once. If the person's conditions worsens or if they suffer from a new serious illness. To receive the sacrament fruitfully, the person must be in a state of grace, free from all mortal sin. That's why confession goes hand in hand with anointing of the sick. But if the person who, this definitely can happen, if the person is unable to go to confession because they're in a coma or they struggle with Alzheimer's, their mind is not present, then anointing of the sick does forgive our sins. They cure us spiritually. The individual must have attained the age of reason to receive anointing of the sick. Um, that means about seven years old because at the age of reasons, they can't commit a serious sin before that. That's actually for me, right, as a priest, I'm surprised that's not the most heated debate amongst people. Huh? That uh, their kids cannot commit a mortal sin before the age of seven. And that they're actually perfect, huh, in the eyes of God. Can you believe that? And the effects of this sacrament. When someone receives the anointing of the sick, it unites their sufferings to Christ. That person will not suffer alone. Mother Teresa of Calcutta said that the greatest suffering in the whole world is those that suffer alone. That's the greatest suffering. For someone who's anointed, they will not suffer alone. Christ is truly present. They say once you're anointed, you're so close to Christ crucified, you can uh, kiss him. Anointing of the sick also heals us spiritually, forgiving our sins, giving us the grace and the strength in our final perseverance in this life. We use oil blessed by the bishop. So even the bishop prays for that person. The kind of the joke is uh, that we anoint with oil so that the soul can slip through the gates of heaven. Huh? <laughs> and lastly, anointing of the sick, what it can do is not only heal us spiritually, but heal us physically. If God sees fit for the salvation of that person's soul and the souls around them, that they be removed from that way of the cross and to heal them physically, but well, blessed be the name of the Lord. 
if God sees fit for the salvation of that soul and the souls around them, that they continue along the way of the cross, carrying that sickness, well, blessed be the name of the Lord. God is still God, and he still works miracles. I know, I've seen several. But we leave that in God's hands. Many people fear death above all else. And in fact, the pain of loss is typically the worst suffering we'll go through. Christ instituted the sacrament of anointing of the sick so that his people may embrace the Holy Spirit and follow the Son safely through death into the next life and finally enter into the presence of of the Father in heaven for all eternity. When we embrace suffering out of love for God, we prepare for our final reception of the of the anointing of the sick and can reduce our purification in purgatory. Reception of this sacrament is encouraged for any illness, infirmity, or surgery that might be an occasion for death. But through this sacrament, God provides us the grace to endure our cross and to unite it with Christ's reception, passion, and death for our intentions and the intentions of others. Praise be God for this beautiful sacrament of the sick.